Welcome to The Developmental, a podcast about the messy, beautiful ways grown-ups grow up. Here, we explore turning the science into the day-to-day practice of adult development in teams, homes, organizations, and life. Hello, friends, and thank you for joining me for another episode of The Developmental. This is a very special and emotional conversation for me with a very dear friend, Belinda Foreman, who is generously going to invite us to consider how adult development can actually touch one of the most tender spaces in our lives, our relationship to our own health and ultimately to our own mortality. Belinda has been navigating a very profound journey of healing from cancer over the past 12 months, one to which I was privy as her friend and one which was not just a medical journey, but a deep self-discovery and self-growth journey. Belinda is a practitioner of adult development who has chosen to bring this mindset into one of the harshest trials of her life. In this conversation, we explore the process through which she has gone and the powerful lessons of wisdom she has learned along the way. A little bit about Belinda. She is a seasoned people and culture professional with a diverse background in coaching, L&D, team experience, and culture development. She is based on the Sunshine Coast in Australia and has a passion for helping individuals connect with their purpose and values, empowering them to lead more powerful and fulfilling lives. Belinda and her husband, Matt, have spent the last 15 years building and growing a business in the tech space. They have been creating environments where individuals thrive, both personally and professionally, and have strived to take the same ideas and values into their own lives. The story of Belinda's cancer journey is probably one of the most powerful examples I can think of, of walking the talk of adult development taking these lessons into the hardest moments of our lives and helping turn these hardest moments into profound, valuable lessons for lifelong growth. I will uh, let you draw your own conclusions from our conversation. I'm hoping you find at least as many insights as I have in Belinda's story. So here it is. Hello, Belle, and welcome to The Developmental. Hi, Alice. Good to see you here again. Oh, so good to see you. It feels, I feel a bit emotional even putting the recording on and and thinking that we're going to make one of our conversations public. (laughs) I'm excited. I'm excited to share. Yeah, me too. I am and very, very grateful that you decided to join me in what I think is perhaps one of the most personal emotionally deep conversation or topics that I have touched on in the podcast. And I think it's special for many reasons. The topic itself is very special, but then our relationship is also very special because we are good friends who've been growing together and learning from each other a lot over the past few years. 
So it feels like opening a door into a, a journey that you've been on and also a learning that both of us have been on. So very, very grateful for you offering us this gift. My pleasure. I'm grateful to have me, that you're having me on. It's wonderful. I've shared a little bit about who you are, Belle. This conversation is about a very, very particular, very profound journey you've been on over the last, what is it? 12 months? A year now, Mm. yes. A journey through a cancer diagnosis and the recovery from that and all the learnings that have come from that. So maybe I'll I'll ask you in whatever way you want to to share a bit of what, what that has been for you. Where, where did it start? How did it go? And how do you, do you emerge from it? And, and as you share it, we'll, we'll start diving into a little bit of the developmental learnings from it, because you're an expert in adult development. You use it a lot in your work uh, and you brought it very consciously into this journey as yeah. well. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it started 19th of January last year when I went for a colonoscopy and found that I had a four centimeter tumor surrounding my rectum and that had gone out into my lymph nodes and was pushing up against the back of my cervix. The only signs that I had was I had a bit of rectal bleeding in sort of end of October, November the previous year and and took me a while to get into habit. So yeah, once I found out it was the usual, you've got cancer, the shock, fear, the anxiety, all of the stuff that sort of comes up when you're faced with a life-threatening diagnosis. So it was a big learning for me to, to be able to sit in that and just let myself feel everything. I'm a very driven and ambitious person usually, so I usually want to jump onto what's the plan, what are we doing, let's get this done, but really sat with it for a, a fair while to just feel through all of the emotions that was going through, that were going through me and that were happening around me to the people around me. Um, you know, the I guess what I got while sitting in that at the start was really understanding that I had all these years of experience and knowledge that I had in my head that I'd been able to help people with. And all of a sudden I've been given this opportunity to start really using them on myself in a really deep level. And that was such a gift in itself to be able to have those tools going into it and knowing that I was really well prepared to, to, for what to, was what to come. So that was that was sort of I guess the first stage of it of sitting being able to sit with it and then as I'm sort of moved through that sort of next part of having radiation for to try and shrink the tumor and was on oral chemo different parts different things came up fear and anxiety still came up but there was almost like a a deep level of acceptance of that this that was happening to me was here for a reason and it was a it was a part of my journey. I had listened to an amazing meditation at the start of the journey by a lady called Sarah Blondin. And the meditation was called Our Soul's Expansion. And that she was she was like she was reading a poem to me. And it was exactly what I needed to be able to hear to help me fully understand what was being presented to me. So I think once I was sort of moving through that sort of first phase of radiation and chemo and being able to sort of accept that this was a part of the journey, I then was able to take more control and control the stuff that 
was controllable to me because I had no control over the outcome, really. I had the hope and I had the vision of what I wanted to be, where I wanted to go, but I wasn't able to control that outcome. So letting go of controlling that outcome, accepting where I was day by day, whatever symptoms, whatever things came up for me, just being able to deal with them and know that this too shall pass whenever something was really hard. Me having that sort of level of this was really important to me. And I guess another big thing that I, I saw as I was moving through this was cancer has a very fight mentality, a very hard, like you're going to beat this, you're going to get this, you're going you're gonna to win. And that all sort of didn't feel comfortable to me. It didn't feel like it was an energy that I wanted to carry around with me through that journey. It just felt, it felt like I was trying to push against something that shouldn't be here, where to me, it was, I'm being given this for a reason. If I walk with it and ask it why it's here and stay present with it, I'll get more out of this than I will if I keep pushing that energy out into the world of that fight. So. I I do want to ask uh, something around that bell because I think that's such a widespread mindset and and also knowing you and what you're saying as you started sharing your story how how action oriented how pragmatic you are how problem solving oriented you are what what made you make this decision to begin with to sit in the the pain and the fear and all the emotions that flooded you when this completely out of the blue diagnostic appeared like what yeah what triggered that decision in the first place for you i think it was really that when i sat with when i sort of sat with those different emotions of wanting to fight it or wanting to how i should be feeling around this and how i should be reacting because that's what i'd been taught by society of of things nothing felt right that didn't feel right with me so when I sat with it I believed that if I'm really going to fully embrace this journey and and look at this journey as something I need to sit with and walk with through every stage I had to feel every part so sitting there and feeling all of the fear feeling all of the anxiety and going through that emotion of going this could actually this could kill me so how am I going to feel knowing now that I've got to face my own mortality sooner than maybe I ever thought I would, what are the things that I'm really scared about? I'm scared about not being there for my kids. I'm scared about not being there for my husband. But all in all, when I sat with those things and I went, oh, you know what? If I wasn't here in 12 months time, I've had such a wonderful life. I've had such a wonderful marriage. I've just My life has been so full with my family. We never know how long we've got. And I just feel so grateful that I've had that. So it sort of let go of the fear of not having enough because I'd already, I felt like I have enough and I am enough. So that really helped me just let go of the what if. It let me just be fully present. And if I'm here for 12, if I'm here for 12 more months, then I'm going to make this 12 months as amazing as it can be. But you know what? I know I'm going to be here for longer because that's, that's how, that's the energy that I just kept putting out into the world and just kept pushing and pulling the hope in and and pushing it back out again and sort of just kept flowing through me through the whole process. So yeah, being able to be okay with the things I did not know or the, which is quite funny. And as you would know, 
being okay with fear of uncertainty, which used to be a very big trigger for me <laughs> many years ago. So it really gave me the opportunity to really test my boundaries and triggers around that fear of uncertainty. And yeah, I, I think I really embedded it and embodied it like I never have for, for this journey. Yeah. And what did that do for you, Belle? What did that, you said, I leaned into it. I chose to, yeah, embody and embed the fear of uncertainty and kind of live it instead of trying to get rid of it and treat cancer as some sort of messenger or some sort of even friend to us in a certain way to to teach you something. How did that shape your treatment and your healing journey um, versus maybe the choice of just fighting it? Oh, it made it so much more peaceful for me. It created a lot more space within me to focus because once I had that acceptance of it and I chose that that was the path I was going to walk on this journey with cancer, then it freed up so much more space for my own healing. I didn't I could think about things differently. I could ask different questions. I had moments with my doctors where they told me that I couldn't do something and I was like, but why can't I do it? And I was able to advocate for myself in a way that was so much more in line with who I am and who I want to be and and the results I wanted to have, never disrespecting them as professionals and always listening, but being really able to advocate for myself and having that space to think about these things and to listen to my body like that was a massive thing to be able to go well this this doesn't feel good the amount of steroids they've got me on right now is just not feeling it's not right it's just not right so going back to them and saying I need to reduce this I don't see how this is helping me and having those being brave enough to have those conversations and because I knew what was my body was telling me because I was so in tuned in the present moment of what was going on yeah. And I I mean you're you're very aware as you've been uh close to me uh, since I started my whole research journey and we've nerded out on a lot of the adult development theories and it almost um as you went through this we we, we talked about how you're actually you're turning this into a developmental journey for yourself. Yeah. And and I was curious, how did your understanding of how human beings grow, this whole idea of disorienting dilemmas that, that really blow up our worldviews and, and make nothing make sense anymore. And I can't really think of dilemmas more disorienting than a cancer diagnosis, really. And, and this understanding that you had around how growth occurs walking through these disorienting dilemmas I was wondering how it it's it's informed if it in any way how you chose to relate to what was happening for you both from a medical perspective but also from an emotional psychological personal growth perspective if there's anything in particular that stands out for you oh there were many many things at different times that that really stood out for me the first one was when I did decide that this was the, the path I was going to take and it was here to teach me lessons, I had a little bit of, I guess, crisis at one stage where I thought, I feel like I'm not changing as a person. I feel like I haven't learned anything and I'm halfway through. And I remember talking to my psychologist and saying, I'm, I'm concerned that if I don't learn the lessons, it's going to come back. Like that was my first sort of thing because I'm here to learn something and I don't feel any different. And she was said to me, what can you see around the people around you? 
And I was, can you see them changing? And I'm like, oh, amazingly, you know, my husband, my brother-in-law, my mother, like so many people were changing around me and growing in ways that were so far from where they would come from. So when I sat back and then looked at these people, I'm like, wow, my experience is making such an impact in, on these people, whether that was a good or a bad, but if they were, they were, these people were growing and they're like, maybe it's not my time to grow right now. Maybe it's my experiences for them. So I was able to then see this other part of growth, of my growth. I knew it was happening. I just couldn't see it for myself right now. And then as I sort of got down to different parts and I was able to embed, I guess, my learning when I think about vertical development, I think about me sort of moving from redefining to transformation. And I was sort of in that space of doing that sort of before this happened. And I could see it and I could like see it in other people. But what I got out of it was this almost embodiment of it. So all yeah. of the things I, I went from having word experience in my head to this world experience in that's happened in my body of, of being able to drop into the things to, cause you can read it, you can see it, you can do it, but to completely feel it and just know that then the way you react to things comes from that place deep within you that are just, you're not second guessing yourself. It's just a place that you, you move from. And I guess when I look back, that's where my biggest form of growth came from is that my decision-making now and the way I approach things is so fully embedded into who I am. It's not a conscious decision to go, I'm going to react like that because that's where I want to move to, or I'm going to do that. It just fully comes from me whenever I've got like, I've got three monthly scans and scopes that happen now to, to keep, to check it hasn't returned. And now I just get to a point where I'm just like, it is what it is. They, they scan and scopes come every three months. I know I don't sit in anxiety. I don't sit in fear anymore. It is what it is. It's a part of yeah. my journey. So it's given me that opportunity to really feel deeply all of the learnings that I've had from that developmental stage. Yeah. And it, it sounds to me, and perhaps for people who are not so familiar with the stages of development, you, you reference two stages, redefining and transforming, that are both in the post-conventional space of development, but there's in particular transforming, there's this capacity that people start to develop where they can inquire and act. So this capacity to almost take a witness perspective on your own life, which I think mm -hmm. you're just describing that capacity to go, what does this mean? What has it got to teach me? Like, look at the pattern that's playing out. And then from that observation, from that witnessing, make some decisions, some very practical decisions, like maybe advocate for a tweak in the treatment with your doctor or have a conversation with someone close to you or so it turn into action rather than staying at the theoretical just observation level and mm. it, it sounds to me like you're you're talking about this this balance or this capacity that you're noticing has evolved in you where you can observe yourself but then you can also act on what you've observed is that yeah have I got that yeah, most definitely. And I think now the acting part is just such a, it's, it's, it's so ingrained in me that it's just a part of my being anymore, where my observation before I was could really observe it and then I could consciously act accordingly to my observations. But it's sort of more embedded now where I don't feel like I need 
to think as much about what I'm doing. It's just, I can feel that flow of that natural flow in myself is just, it's, 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 it's my baseline now. It's, it's no longer something I have to think about too much. It's, it's where, it's just where I operate from now. Yeah. What did you notice, Belle, maybe thinking of some examples can, can help bring this to life even more for people who might be going through their own deeply disorienting dilemmas or facing their own fears in, in different ways. What, how did you, uh, how did your actions become informed by your observations? Like, can you think of a moment where you, you, you reflected on something, you took that balcony perspective, and then that actually provoked a completely different kind of choice, a completely different kind of action that you would, then you would have taken had you not reflected, had you not done the whole mm-hmm. cycle of observation and then choiceful, purposeful action. Yeah, I think it was that that moment of deciding how how I was going to react when I took that sort of balcony view of the way cancer was as viewed as as a as a modality of of healing from it. So of all of those different options I had, you see that sort of I guess the fight is that fight mentality to me. Freeze was just not doing anything and just handing all your power over to the doctor. So for me, when I saw those different I flight. To me, it was just not not even acknowledging and just get it done. I don't want to have, I don't want to think about it. So I had to look at all of those things and just go, I need to, I for me feel like this opportunity that I've been given is one, as a friend of ours referred to, Kate, the shitty rap gift that you never, you never wanted, but you're so glad that you had. So that's the way I saw it. I saw that from very early on. And it, I know it freaks some people out when I used to say it to them, but to make that decision that this was a gift that was going to help me to become the person that I needed to be on the other side. And mm. so if I, without this experience, I cannot be, I cannot become that person. So when I made those, that choice and when I was able to sit in that space, that then helped informed all of my decisions. So every time something came up that was challenging Oh, you still cry in it. You still see it, but feel it all, feel the uh, emotion of it all. But you don't, I didn't hang on to it for long periods of time. I, I held things lightly when it came to those sorts of things. It was, it was here, but I needed to be able to let go of it to be able to move forward because I always yeah. wanted to move forward. And I, I, I like to, I guess, refer to the way that I handled my journey was with fire and grace, the grace to accept everything that was coming towards me at any time, but always had the fire to keep looking for answers and asking for different things and making those decisions based on on how it felt for me. Yeah, I love this, the fire and the grace. And I could definitely see that in your attitude throughout. And, and part of how that fire and grace came to me from my perspective of, of a friend supporting to the best of my abilities of a good friend going through something like that was that I, I was surprised at how clear and kind you were with your boundaries in relationships, like with, with the clarity with which you shared what you needed or what you didn't need from the people around you. And I'm wondering if you want to speak to that a little bit, just because I, I've noticed in, in my work with clients and, and just more broadly in relationships, how hard it is for people to say what they need. And especially mm-hmm. when they're going through something like this, there's, I think, this struggle of protecting the people around you and kind of 
not making them feel bad because they feel bad that you're going through something very painful and they're afraid and they don't know how to handle it. And I, I felt like you found a way to really prioritize you while also being kind to the people around you. And that mm. to me was an example of conscious action. Yeah. yeah. Just curious how, how, how that, yeah. yeah. How did you live that from your perspective? I guess from always being someone who was the helper to actually going to someone that needed to be helped in a way was a big transition and, and observing that that was my default position is to be the helper. I, I don't need the help. I'm the helper. So when I, when I changed that and, and observed that that wasn't the way I needed to be, it, it became very easy for me to ask for what I needed because I was able then, I was able to also frame it in the way that by me asking for what I need from the people around me who are there willing to help me at any, in any way, I was actually helping them as well because everyone was just sort of waiting there going, what do you need? What can I do for you? What can I help? So I was able to tell people, I, can you, can you help me with meals? Can, you know, can you give me some space? These are the things that I, I could sit there. This is what I need to help me with my healing in this moment. And what I, what I witnessed was that there were so many people, this beautiful community I had around me were just there for me 100%. And I guess being able to tell people also the people that were coming in too much and too close for around that, what I needed, that I needed to have that space from them, I needed them to be there, but in, this is the capacity in which I need them to be there for me right now and not, not take on their emotions and hold, like I said, hold that boundary around what it is that I need for my healing. If there were people in my life that were offended by that, they, that was theirs to deal with. That was theirs. And I didn't have the capacity to help people with their emotions while I was going through that. And so. I was very clear with, with family members that were having, we're trying to help in each way, but I just need them to just step back a little bit and just give me this space. And that's what I need. And that's, that I guess didn't seem hard once I'd decided that was what I needed because I had to focus 100% on my healing, being there for my children in different ways, but also letting them grow and not shelter them from it and let them be, become their own person and let this experience be a part of their story and their growth was also a big part of letting go as the mum who always wants to protect your kids from everything. But, you know, they're older, they're more, a little bit more mature and being able to get them to now reflect on their experiences and what they got out of it and what they saw is completely different to anything I would have seen sitting where I was. So, yeah, I think that none of that, yeah, I don't know, this, this, none of that seemed difficult to me at the time. And this is what I find really interesting is at the end of this journey, I looked back and I wasn't depleted, which was really interesting because most people, when they get to the end of the sort of the radiation, the chemo and the emotional journey of it, I didn't feel depleted. I felt some, I wouldn't say I was completely energized, but I was somewhat energized by the fact that I held space for myself continuously through the journey. That was my own and I asked for what I needed when I needed it. So I never felt, yeah, I never felt like I had given too much or I was too exhausted for, for anything. Yeah. So obviously the medical symptoms of 
exhaustion and, and brain fog and things like that. But just from an energetic level, I didn't feel exhausted by it. And I think that was because of the way I chose to see it through. Would you say this is almost a pattern interrupt, like something that you didn't do before you went through this cancer experience? Like that capacity to have clear boundaries, tell people exactly what you need, not take on their feelings if they choose to not like your boundaries, all all of those behaviors were not your norm before. No, 100% not my norm before. I was always putting other people's emotions and situations before mine and making sure that everyone, obviously recovering people pleaser. So I was able to see, I was on that journey to, to doing it, but it was like the peace. And I think that's the difference is that when we cognitively, cognitively know something and we learn it and we try and experiment with it, we're constantly testing and experiment. But then when it just fully sits in you and you're fully comfortable with everything, it's such a different experience there's so much more space that's I can just keep I know I keep talking about space but it's just I created I feel like that's what I did I created a lot more space within myself to hold for myself because I've always held space for others that's a part of what I do as work and that's just a part of who I am as a person so to give myself back that to myself was just an amazing experience in in itself yeah, getting goosebumps just <laughs> sitting here and listening. And also, I know people will listen to this, won't be able to see you, but there's 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 a lot of energy that comes through with, with the way you describe this massive, massive shift in almost your your whole concept of self and how you look at yourself. Mm. And and I think, and I know you're familiar with the kinds of exercises we do when we introduce adult development to people without talking about the theory. There's There are these activities where we just invite people to go back 10, 15 years and think of the person they used to be and how they saw the world and the kinds of mindsets that inform their worldview back then and then shift into the present moment and, and notice the lens that are the lenses that are present right now and then maybe go into the future into a wiser version of themselves and imagine what what is that version how is that version in the world what kind of a person am i becoming and i feel like you're describing this real massive shift in in worldview Mm -hmm. really 100 percent. yeah i think there's definitely been that's my biggest shift i think that i've had throughout this process of letting this fear, the fear of uncertainty, like that letting go of that fear of uncertainty has created space for me to be able to move through the world with fear. Fear is not something that sits in the, in the front of my head anymore of that sort of thing. I just, I'm moving through in a different, I'm moving through the world in a different way now. I'm moving through in a more peaceful way. And some people say, like friends, they can't see the difference in me because they've said, you've always, we've always, you've always been like that. That's, that's who you are, but that's not who I am to myself. So it's been that shift of who I am to myself, not who I am to others. Yeah. So, mm. Yeah. And it, it, if I'm hearing it right, it, the, the way you've experienced it is maybe as an effortlessness, whereas maybe before people were perceiving that confidence and that comfort and all of that energy from you but maybe you didn't necessarily feel it inside in the same way yeah 100 yeah. percent. that's exactly right so yeah oh yeah being able to hold it for others was way easier than being able to hold it for myself and now I actually 
don't need to hold it for myself because it's just, it's there. It's a part of my being now. Yeah. In saying that, Belle, I do want to ask you, because we know from the research that when we are facing these disorienting dilemmas and those really painful so-called edge emotions come up, they fear, the anxiety, and then we're able to sit with them instead of numbing them or running away from them. And we, we bring something into the equation, another type of emotion that, that helps us create more space. Like you spoke of hope, you spoke of gratitude for the experience, maybe curiosity, what can this teach you? That doesn't make those painful emotions completely go away. And, and I'm, I, I want to put light on or shed light on this topic because I think sometimes people think of this vertical development journey as this sort of journey towards enlightenment where nothing can touch you anymore and you're completely serene and at peace with the world all the time. And it hasn't been my experience that that mm. is the case. And I would love to, yeah, invite you to share a bit of what, what that is for you. Are you, are you completely at peace with the world all the time? Like no more edge emotions? Or no, no, no. more nuanced than that? Far more nuanced than that. Because yeah, just because, yeah, I got to that space doesn't mean you sit in that space all of the time. It's, it's one of those things where I think when the fear, when fear or anxiety or those sorts of, I guess, edge emotions come up for me now, I don't sit with them for as long. I don't hold on to them as long. They're still there. And if it, if one is hanging around a little bit longer than maybe another, I can sit with it and I can sit with it for a while and just keep asking. It's like, what is it that what's out of alignment? What's, what are you trying to protect me from? What's, and for, for that, like, I'm grateful because without that, I don't think we'd ever see the next level of growth, see the things that are helping us get, see, see us expanding. I don't even think it's going up. It's just expanding ourselves into the, this other part because I got very stuck on, I'm going to be a different person. I have to get rid of the person I was before, but that's not true. It was just, I'd, I'd just shed a layer of myself that no longer serves me and I just gained another layer. And at the core, I'm still that person that wants to help and wants to please and all that, but I'm not the person who does it in the same ways they did it before. I'm still, so yeah, so I'm being able to, I've just gained another layer and expanded myself, that sort of soul's expansion. Being soul's able expansion. To, yeah, be able to creating, keep creating that and that's never going to go away. That's just going to keep happening as, as we grow through life. So I don't think I'd ever want to be just when nothing ever bothers me and nothing ever thing because I don't, I love, I love the highs and lows of life. They, they make it colourful and, you know, that sort of thing. So, yeah, listening to someone like Byron Katie and talking about how it's just nothing sort of goes or an Eckhart Tolle laugh and think, wow, I don't know how you get to that stage, but I'm not, I'm not sure if it, I'm, I'm not sure if I'd really want it sometimes. Yeah. Because I'm, yeah, I love, I do love to see those different colours of life that happen in when you learn something, you get a trigger in yourself and you're like, oh, that's triggered me. And growth coming next, so that's a good thing. Yeah. So there's almost like this, this almost practice you're describing where where those moments of being triggered or being emotionally disturbed, you you welcome them in a different way. You see them automatically as a nudge to inquire, to ask some great, great questions around what what's the learning here for me, rather than, oh, there's something bothersome, a problem that I need to get rid of. Yeah. Yeah. I think that in itself can be, because as we're always trying in, in this podcast to bring to life adult development, and part of that is what are the practices, what are the things that we actually can do to embed, to embody 
growth energy in our lives. And, and I think you've just articulated an example of a practice. What if whenever I'm triggered, whenever I feel bad, I get to sit with those emotions with a bit of kindness towards myself, but also curiosity around what is it? What is my body telling me? What do I need to listen to? Yeah. What is this discomfort about that could be something useful that I haven't paid attention to, but I need to? Exactly. Yes, that's exactly how I view it now. Mm. Is there anything else that has emerged from this for you as practice that that makes a difference? Yeah, look, definitely the ability to know that what's happening sometimes is outside of myself. But so, well, I've always gone inquiry looking and I that is a part of who I am. But sometimes the answers and the the healing can come from outside as well. So one of the things when I wasn't feeling strong going into chemo and I was just feeling like I need I need some more energy and support and I'd send out a message to my community and say, hey, I'm going in at 11 o'clock today to have my next round of chemo, feeling a little bit weak in my energy. Could you, could you sit, could you think of me at 11, send me some healing vibes or prayers or whatever you want to send my way? And the ability to sit there and then just to really tap into that, I guess, universal energy of people being able to, that's sending me love and healing. Like I know that that was a huge part of my journey because I, was so connected with what was going on for me internally that I knew that I needed more and I was able to sort of tap into then what was around me and what was coming into me and and that was really powerful for me so yeah and then got me into a bit of a loophole of a, a rabbit hole of trying to understand quantum and and things like that so it's like it's, yeah, it's how did that actually work <laughs> yeah exactly so that sort of thing so but uh, yeah that that collectiveness of of community and energy that can that help build us. And I think that's really helped me as well, knowing that we have that all the time. It's on tap for us to be able to send out to the people around us, but also for us, it's our job to be able to tap into to that. And whether it's asking for help or asking for prayers or what good healing vibes, there's always these things around us that can help us. So you don't always have to solve everything within yourself all of the time. Oh, I love you saying that. I love it because I feel, I mean, in my own edges, one of one of the biggest edges is around the what I sometimes call the tyranny of agency. This this strong, strong belief that oh, I can, I need to inquire. It's my job to figure this out. It's my job to and and we did speak a lot about the power of doing that, of of owning your feelings, of being curious. But then you also speak of something that for me is definitely an area of development which which I might call surrendering surrendering to I just I'm out of my depth here I just mm -hmm. need help I just need support I have got I've got no idea how to solve this or I just don't have I don't have the energy right mm -hmm. now to solve it and it it sounds to me like that is a polarity that sometimes we we don't really see or we we either inhabit one pole or the other too much and there's a lot of wisdom in being able to hold all of that polarity we can still own our feelings we can still be curious about what has this emotion got to teach me but also we can accept that there are moments when we just can't yeah. do it or it yeah we need 
other people. We need external support of some sort. And both of those are okay. Yes, exactly. That's right. Yeah. It's all a part of, I guess, this holistic life that we lead. There's every, it's all parts, not just us. And I think, yeah, sometimes we spend too much time, like you said, trying to figure it out in ourselves. And if we need that help, you've got, we've got people that hold space for us in a, in a way that we can talk about these things. But yeah, I think the realization that there's many other things than just this sort of physical as well was really important to me to sort of go on that exploratory journey as well. Because that's where sort of faith and hope sort of sits in your life as well is sometimes beyond what's in us. Yeah. Do you feel it's connected you in some way to something bigger or broader or like deepening? Um... Definitely, yeah. yeah. Look, I think, you know, it's been, there's a, I guess, a connection around, for me, around that this place we live in, universe, this whatever it is that you want to call it, that has so much to offer. You can't walk into nature and not feel the energy that's surrounding you. That's not a part of you that's surrounding you. So we all admit this, this energy. So how, how can we be in a spot where we can feel everything that's around us and, and bring that into us to help us? Yeah. And to me, that kind of breeds a question around presence because it sounds to me like you, you really work very hard to cultivate presence throughout this whole experience with what was painful and what was beautiful and what was enlightening and what was confusing and everything in between. And I wonder, and I've often heard people, and notice in my own life how we tap into presence when life really forces us. There's no other choice. Mm. But then we very quickly get back on autopilot and and almost disconnect from that capacity to stay present in our own lives. Yeah. And I wonder if you've got any thoughts about yeah. that or what your own experience is now that the danger is behind you and you're looking towards the future again. How do you cultivate those think... gifts of presence? <laughs> Definitely harder when you go back into life. I think that's, I went back into work a month after I got my clear diagnosis and went back into like quite an upheaval at work that sort of had my head spinning around and I could feel myself moving straight back into that old pattern of busyness and, and that sort of thing. So creating more space for myself was definitely more challenging than, than having to go through a challenge every day, hour by hour to see how you're feeling and that sort of thing. But now it's almost like there's, there's a noticing and a, an automatic noticing of things that I have that I never had before. Like when now when I'm putting out the washing, I just got stopped all of a sudden the other day because all of the birds were going outside and they were just magical. And I was just stopped and put the washing down and was there. And I was like, I wonder if this happens every day and I just have never noticed it or I wonder if this is something and then, then I did it the next time I heard the birds again and I was like this is happening every day and I've not noticed it and like this those sorts of things now I'm becoming more more aware of I just see I see and hear things in a different way as well would my kids would talk to me about something and I'd always be present and listening or put down what I'm doing but there's like I might notice more facial expression on, on my son's face when he's talking about something or I might that's that's the sort of stuff that I that I've noticed that I'm a little bit more in tune to definitely more in tune to presence in my body that's probably the number one thing as soon as I even when I go to pick up some food that I go to put in my mouth when I'm not thinking and then I go 
that is going to make me feel like rubbish in about 10 minutes after I put that in my mouth. And it's like, I would have not had that presence before of going, oh, just eat it and just keep going. And oh my God, why do I feel so terrible? So that's yeah. those little sort of moments of, that I catch myself being more aware is definitely something I've noticed the change in me. Still, maybe I don't have to work out as hard as I did before to notice these things, but I'm now noticing, I'm noticing the noticing, if that makes sense. So yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it completely does. Completely. And and I feel I mean there's so much richness and so much wisdom that that has come out of of this for you as the one who lived through this experience. And before we started this conversation, you mentioned how important it is for you to almost reflect on what it is to be the supporter of someone going through a cancer diagnosis or any kind of that kind of life-threatening really powerful discombobulating moment yeah I'd love to invite you to talk a little bit about that and I'm happy to share a bit of my own experience because I I was really fortunate to not not have very very close friends go through life-threatening diagnosis before so it it felt like a first for me to to have you go through this and and go through this in such a conscious way and and have those conversations about what kind of supporter can I be Mm. what is it that I feel like doing that is going to help you or actually maybe not and maybe I should refrain from doing it I had many many moments where I was unsure Mm. of how to behave or how to really be a good friend in the way you needed me to be a good friend Mm. and and I'll just add that I think having someone you love and deeply care about go through something like this it is a dis discombobulate it, it is a disorienting experience it can be a growth experience like you notice for everyone around you mm-hmm. so how can we make the most of that growth experience when we life throws something like this at us and we are in a supporter friend family role yeah I think that was that's a big thing because I saw a lot of different people in my life handle my diagnosis in different ways some grew a lot through the process some Best, some of my closest friends stayed right away from me because they had their own stuff going on and it brought up for them. So they couldn't be there for me because they were struggling too much to deal with their own stuff. So I think what, what I was able to do is to really realize that they were all there wanting to help me and they were all there in, in a way. No one knew what to say or what to do or that sort of thing. So I was able then to be able to just say, what it is I needed. And by me reaching out to those people and asking them for help, it, it, it helped them as much as it helped me, but also being able to actually say what you need. Cause a lot of the time they'll, you'll say, Oh, what, do you, what is it? Can, what can I help you with? What do you need to do? And most people go, Oh, I don't know. Or I don't know. But if you can really be sort of asking, asking you someone who's going through it, what do you need in this moment? Or what is it that you don't need in this moment? Because a lot of the time if stuff's frustrating them, they'll know what they don't need. I don't yeah. need one more person to tell me I'm brave or courageous. I don't need one more person to to ask me how I am. And and I struggled with the outpouring of love that I had when I was first and I didn't know what to do with it. It made me feel really uncomfortable at first because I wasn't used to that much attention on me. So I needed to do something with this energy that was coming into me. So I had a jar next to my bed where I put a purple crystal. Every time someone sent me 
a message and I felt like I couldn't respond, I'd put a purple crystal into a jar and I'd send them just a purple heart back. And that's how my pe- like my my people knew that that I felt their loves and I did it. And by putting that crystal, I felt like I was doing something with it and responding it. So every time I didn't feel strong, I would grab that jar of purple crystals next to my bed and just all that energy and love that was sent out to me is all in this jar for me. So I just it made it it made it tactile for me. But being able to like say to people because you never know what the right thing to say is. There is no right thing to say. And so um, just asking directly, what is it you need? What is it that you don't need? Can you? Some people can I come over to your house and do your washing? Someone will. Lots of people will say yes, please do. Some people might say no, I don't want anyone in my space right now. But at least never take it personally. Whatever they say is just what they need right now. So mm-hmm. I think that's really important. When you don't know what to say or you don't, you want to contact someone who's going through stuff and you don't want to ask them how they are, just let them know you're thinking of them and you're sending them love or prayers or anything like that because that's actually just, if they want to respond, they can respond to you. But, you know, at least you're, you're letting them know you're there because I know lots of people struggle with well, I don't, I don't want to contact them because I don't know what to say or I don't yes. know what, yeah, that sort of thing. So I'll just stay away and then, oh, but then they think I don't care about them if I don't respond. Yes. So, yeah, just letting them know exactly what you're thinking. I'm thinking of you, just reaching out to let you know I'm thinking of you. That, that's beautiful and enough in itself. So I think that's probably a really important thing to to keep in mind. I'm getting to practice everything on this side of it now with my best friend just found out she had breast cancer in December and now I'm having uh, now I'm sort of walking with her on that journey to be able to help her to be on the other side and she's now having these realizations going oh I know when I was messaging you every day maybe that wasn't the right thing or now I, I see when everyone comes and everyone wants a piece of you it's draining and I'm like yeah all of these things that you get to learn through the experience of it so yeah it's it's definitely helping me too with my healing to be able to help someone else. Someone both, else. In- yeah. And be on that other side of the coin and be able to help her from a place of experience, a lived experience. Yeah. And, and it, it almost made me think of something that crossed my mind when, when I, I just learned about your diagnosis and I was thinking of all the things I knew would probably not help. Things like, I'm sure you'll be okay. I deeply, deeply thought that in my heart, mm. but I, I realized that saying it is not actually maybe the best way to support. And and I came to something that I found really useful. And that was, who am I saying this for or doing this for? Am I doing it just to soothe my own discomfort and my own pain and uncertainty and fear for you, for what I'm feeling, for what I am, I might get it someday. And I might be in this situation. Like, I think that the emotions we feel when somebody um, we care about goes through something like this are as much about them as they are about us. Mm-hmm. So I, I noticed how useful that question was. What, what would be useful for Belle? What is useful for me? And there were things that I, I realized, oh, I'm, I'm going to say this just because it'll make me feel better. I'm not mm-hmm. going to say it. Uh, or do this because it's going to make me feel better. Yeah. I'm not going to do it. So yeah, it just, that was one, one big lesson I took from this. And, and I think the, the other one that you mentioned, which I think I haven't thought of it, but I think it's so valuable is what don't you need? And I remember, I don't think I actually asked you this, but we had this conversation. You said what I don't need 
is too much. I need space. And we kind of decided, okay, I'm, I'm here for you. I'm thinking of you, but you reach out to me when, whenever you feel like you want to spend time or you need anything. And I'm always here, but I won't, I'm not, I won't nag you every day with messages because I don't, I know that's not what you need. Mm. So I think that's a really powerful, really practical thing we can do. Ask people what they don't want, because mm-hmm. sometimes they know much, much more clearly what they don't want than they're able to articulate what they do want. Very true. Yeah, that is very true. Especially with you, with someone who's going through a really hard time and they can't think properly and asking them what they need is just, is too hard to think of. So they just, they do know, you do know what you don't need <laughs> yeah. very quickly when you're, when your head is clouded after having chemo or things like that. So yeah, no, it was, it's definitely been a space of growth for, for everyone in my life that I've had. And I, and I'm growing and learning as well because this is my experience and, and then now helping my friend and she's asking me lots of questions about what did you do and what about this and what about this? And I'm like, this is what I did, but this is your experience. Like you have to do it your way and the way you want to do it. I can give you everything that I did, but that doesn't mean, and just because I did it in a certain way and that's what worked for me, don't hold tightly onto my experience. Let it be yours and just look at every hour, every day of how you're feeling and make those decisions for yourself if you're right for you. And so that's, I think that's been a, a really good learning to be able to know that all of this and this conversation is completely my experience. And if yeah. someone can take something from it, just one or two little things, that would be an amazing thing to be able to help them. But yeah, everyone has their own experience. So, so you're not helping as much through turning your, your journey into some sort of recipe that if people follow, it'll be easier for them, but rather in, in holding space for them to figure out how they need to navigate that yes. unique experience for them. Exactly. Yes, that's it. And this kind of kind of opens up my my kind of last line of inquiry, Belle, because you're a coach, you, you've supported people to work through hard stuff before you went through this and you're going to continue doing it. And I was curious how, how it's informed your work, how it's shaping, how you show up for your client. Yeah. Look, I think the biggest thing I've noticed is that I really thought I was, I was a good, I was a good listener before. Like I thought listening was one of my superpowers in that sense. I think that has just tenfold developed in a very different way. I, yeah, the nuances I hear that are out of my head and more into the space that I'm holding for people, it has changed in the way that I just feel like I'm, if you think about levels of listening, if I was listening at a level six before I'm listening at a level nine now, that sort of thing, like I've just, there's a different sort of, yeah, opening that I've had in the way I see and view things. My line of questioning is a lot, I think it was probably more cushioned in the way I asked some of the questions in my coaching, like quite a nice, it was a bit of nicety. I'm a little bit more direct in my inquiry because mm. I think that there's something really valuable in being able to ask a, a, a stronger question that's not cushioned with I guess softness all of the time which is was my go-to because and now I've seen I guess people getting to their results faster because I'm not protecting almost giving my questions protection that I might yeah. have given before 
are you do you do you sense what's what's behind this shift in in approach like what what was what was motivating the cushioning before and what what kind of beliefs or mindsets are you holding now that are are almost giving you this this impetus to be a bit more challenging maybe a bit more mm -hmm. frank yeah in, i think yeah how you I coach i think it was a, there was a certain sense of me being liked by them that was surrounded by questioning as that oh i like her she makes me feel comfortable and that sort of thing where i guess my more challenging sort of question now that i don't sugarcoat as much i can see there's a different It's it's less about being liked and more about oh like I can see a different way they respond in there seems to be more power in the in my clients when they leave rather than a more of a sort of you know sort of I guess the energy is different in in the way they leave my sessions yeah. than before. You're not worried to make them uncomfortable. No, I'm not, and and that's I think that's my growth as a coach. But you know, and as you go through the years. Of, of coaching but yeah there's definitely I'm much more comfortable with asking the harder questions and sitting sitting with it for as long as they need to sit with it and not have to backpedal to ask the question in a different way straight away because they didn't quite get what I was saying or what yeah. I yeah so you're more comfortable sitting in the silence too 100 yeah yeah I love that and I love how that is a living example of the something we keep on talking about in coach training around challenge and support And what does that actually look like, that dyad of challenge and support, which we know is developmental when both of those energies exist, but they are so hard to cultivate because quite often as a coach, you'll have a preference. You're either very challenging, but maybe not supportive enough or the other way around, very supportive and not challenging enough. And and striking that balance is hard sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Just much more comfortable with it now which is a nice it's a nice way of being yeah oh bell thank you so much for for all the sharing and all the wisdom nuggets and i'm curious if there's anything that maybe i haven't asked you that you'd like to share or you'd like people to ask themselves maybe or reflect on wherever they might be either facing something hard that they need to work through or supporting someone going through a difficult life moment look i think just tapping into what you just you said right before around asking yourself is this for me or is it is this for them i think that's a really key thing to be able to walk away with on this journey because it's really really and really being able to understand sometimes that things that, that are happening to you may not be happening to you for you right away and they're maybe happening to the people around you so be aware just be aware of those things i think that's probably the, the key the key things i'd like people to sort of walk away with in this conversation yeah oh Sometimes and make sure you and make sure you get your poo checked that was the other thing <laughs> yes get get your bowel test done <laughs> that was that's another thing that's very important Yeah, and actually, I think that's an important one to emphasize because avoiding going to the doctors or having going through that checkup that we don't want to go through is, is still avoiding our edge emotions. I just don't want to know yeah. that something might be wrong. Leaning into that discomfort and actually scheduling that <laughs> that checkup. Exactly, that's very important. Yeah. Thank you so much, my wonderful wise friend, for all the learnings you've you've given me over the last year more than the last year but over the last year 
a plenty. And just for your generosity in opening up and, and sharing all of that, because we need, we need maps to navigate these hard, hard life moments. And I don't think there are, there are enough maps out there. Yeah, definitely. And I'm so grateful for you having me here. And I'm so open to have conversations with people about this topic, because I think it's so important to be able to share our knowledge as we experience it and, and help others that are going through it. So yeah, I'm always here to be able to be reached out and have a conversation about it. So I appreciate your time and, and having me on as well. Yeah. Thanks so much. I'll, I'll put the contact details in the show notes and I'm sure you'll hear from, from people who need, need that perspective and that space. Awesome. Thanks so much, Belle. Thanks, Alice. Even re-listening to this conversation to prepare this episode has just made me so emotional all over again and made me reflect on the incredible lessons that Belinda was able to share in such a short amount of time. Lessons that I know took her much longer to get to in her own experience. A few things that I took for myself from her story. The idea that when we go through hardship, Quite often, the people around us indirectly grow from that as well. And it's very easy to miss the value or the extended value of some difficult, disorienting, discombobulating experience. We feel almost alone in navigating. It was just a humbling reminder that we're always part of ecosystems of humans who are impacted by us and who impact us in turn. It made me think of the time and energy that I strive in my own life to spend on growing myself and how that in many ways is the biggest gift I might give to the people that I love most, my daughter, my husband, my family. Growing myself grows them indirectly, although that is not my purpose in doing that work on self. That was one big insight Another big insight was Belinda's choice to regard cancer as a gift. A gift she didn't choose, uh, a gift she very likely would have loved not to have had to receive, but a gift nevertheless. And how the choice to frame it as a gift actually put her in a state of inquiry, of curiosity around what was it that she could learn from this experience that would turn her into the human that she needed to be. Finally, the last insight for me was around boundaries and the idea of having the courage to say no to things that don't serve you and yes to things you really need and want. I'm wondering more broadly if we can choose to make ourselves incrementally uncomfortable for our own growth. So we can grow into wisdom without waiting for tragedy to strike us. I do hope that we can consciously choose to take ourselves out of the comfort zone without something massive happening. These are just a few of my own musings. I'm very curious how this conversation has landed for you, what it led you to reflect on, and what insights you're gaining for your own life context. I'd love to hear your thoughts or read your thoughts in the comment section for this episode. If you have questions for Belinda or would like to reach out on LinkedIn, you'll find her details in the episode notes. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and until next time, stay awake, conscious 
and kind to yourselves and others. Thank you, my friends. <music>